I just want to echo what has already been said about how thankful we are for you being here this morning and for coming and sharing a time of worship with us. Uh, we know that uh, we have those within our midst who this is not the place that you expected to be today. Uh, you expected to uh, be in your home, perhaps with your home family, your home congregation, being able to, uh, to worship this morning, but because of the storm, you have been brought our way. Our prayer is that, that your travels have been safe so, so, so far and that as you continue to travel, that you will also be safe as well. We pray that uh, the damage that was done uh, back home is going to be minimal. And again, we just want to say uh, just a special blessing on you today. Um, and we're so sorry for the difficulties that you've been having uh, to go through. We want you to know that if you are here in our midst because of the storm because of Hurricane Florence. As you leave this morning, if you would, uh, stop by our connections area and um, we have a, a little card that's going to at least be able to get you uh, a meal as you're traveling back. Go through a Chick-fil-A and present that card. You'll get yourself a sandwich, uh, maybe uh, some other things as well. And so just please, as you go back, um, as you're leaving, stop by the Connection Center. It's back there in our lobby and we'll have a um, uh, sandwich for you to be able to, or a gift card for a sandwich, and you can stop as you're heading out of town and as you're driving back, be able to get you a snack on the way. Again, we're so sorry for the uh, difficulties that you're having to, having to deal with. If you have children with you, that means that uh, they were excited because uh, some school was canceled, and so no matter what it takes to cancel school, they're usually all for it. Uh, forget about the fact if they have to board up the house and leave, they're like, uh, do I have to go to school? And you're like, no. And they're like, all right, let's go. You know, uh, you get the most work out of your children when they find out that if they help you board up the house, they don't have to go to school the next week. And so they're all excited to be able to help. Uh, you know, it's amazing the changes that take place in our kids when, uh, when school starts. And to see these first graders up here this morning, just a reminder of just a reminder of the innocence of childhood and what excitement kids have. And, and I know that for many of you, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you were here this morning, you are excited, you had your phone out, you're taking the picture of the kids that are up here. And, and I know that as they started first grade just a few weeks ago, you, and you, you went all out and, and you went, took them into their classroom and, and there you were getting down on, on your knee to make sure you got the perfect shot as they sat in their desk for the first time and you got all their friends together and, and let's get a picture over here. And, and of course you have the, the picture with the teacher. You made sure to do that and get it all right. And, and then the teacher said, Dad, would you please leave? We would like to have, we'd like to have class. And you were like, but it's, it, it's only 1230. I thought I could stay longer. But uh, they said, no, you're going to have to leave. You're going to have to go. And it, it's been a very emotional thing. I know for, for you moms and dads, as your kids have begun and, and started first grade, maybe you actually, maybe you actually dreaded saying those words Sweetheart, it's time to get up and go to school. Because you knew that with that phrase, everything would change. You see, up until that moment, your child had, had been yours. The life 
all really they had known was mom and dad. And it was mom and dad's responsibility to take care of all the little boo-boos. And it was mom and dad who they would come to in the middle of the night. It's mom and dad that they looked to for all of their direction and guidance. And now all of a sudden you wake them up for school and, and you send them off into a, a new world. And now they're going to have new friends. And now there's going to be new teachers. And they've got to learn the three R's. And how many marker boards are they going to see? How many books are they going to carry? How many times are they going to have to Google something now in their, in their lifetime? How many, how, how many times are they going to have to expand their knowledge and expand their world and have their circle get bigger and bigger. And so mom and dad, when the moment came for you to say, it's time to wake up and go to school, some of you were like, you know what? I just want to hold on to them a little bit longer. Now some of you were like, whoa, all right. Woo, we've been waiting on this moment. I don't know for how many years and finally they're going to be up and they're going to be gone to school. But I've got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you, for me, for me that was a difficult thing. Even though my, my oldest was all excited when it came to school, even for, even for preschool, when she was signed up for the Academy for Little People in Chickamauga, we went one night for the, the, just the orientation, just to meet the teacher. And so there we go. It's myself. It's Tanya. We have Emily. Micah is just a little bitty thing. And so he's still in the little car carrier. And, and we've got Emily by the hand. And we're walking in. And, and we go to the classroom. And she turns and she looks up at us. And she's like, well, you guys can leave now. <laughs> at preschool. And it was just Thursday night. School wasn't starting until the next week, and she's already wanting to get rid of us. She's already wanting to move away, and so I was like, you know, it's today preschool, and tomorrow she's married. I mean, that's just how it's all going. It's just how it's going to happen. And so when first grade came along, I wanted to hold on to her, and it's not because I didn't want her to learn. It's not because I didn't want her to grow. It's not because I didn't want her to, to have new friends and to experience all new things in her life. I didn't want to wake her up because I didn't want to have to let her go. I didn't want to have to let her go. Up here on the table, I have a container filled with some marbles. A little over 500. And these marbles represent how long it's been in weeks since I woke my little girl up for first grade. Some weeks aren't too bad. As I think back and remember different things that have taken place in, in our lives, there are those moments where I look and say, you know what, this is when, man, this is when I got it right. I mean, this is when I got it right because this week right here, this is the week that I made the best hamburgers ever. 
I had the grill and it was piping hot and had everything ready, all the sauces together. And I get the burgers and I bring them in and I proudly declare that dad is the king of the grill. And we sat down to feast. And my little one proclaimed, Dad, you make the best burgers. Man, I won that week. That was awesome. And now this one right here, I didn't do too bad. This, this is the week that the phone call came and it was, uh, just let me know that we forgot books and left them at home and Dad, if you could, could you please go and, and get those books and could you bring them to me because I, I really need them. And, and so I put on my cape and I became super dad and went and picked up the books from home and, and took them over to the classroom just in time so that everything would be okay in my daughter's world. Man, this was a good week right here. You know what that's like, right? As you look back over the times where your children have grown up, no matter if they're still in school or if they're gone, maybe they have kids of their own, you're able to pull out certain weeks and you just look back and say, you know what, man, I, I think something good happened there. That was, man, I, I did it right. I was, I was there. I mean, I've got weeks in here that, that are all about staying up late for homework and, and, and all about being able to buy concert tickets and, and just things that went on that were, that were great. As I look at these though, there are some marbles that are bigger than others because some of these have a greater lasting impact. Like this one here. This is the week of April 27th, 2011. This is when the tornado hit our house. And this is when a dad felt helpless. As Tanya and I were in the bathroom, huddled up with the children, and as we heard the trees falling and timbers rattling, and I would grab one child and Tanya would grab the other, and we would run across the house. You ever just felt helpless when it comes to being a parent? I mean, because there was no manual that came with it, right? There was nothing that told you what to do and, and how to act and, and how to behave. You've tried to be cool. You've tried to do the best things at the, at the best time. You can't help it that your parents didn't have a book either. Some things you said you would never do because your parents did them. Other things you said, I'm going to do those because my parents did them. But still, there are those moments where you just feel helpless. That more than anything else, you want to protect your child. You want to do something for them. That you're going to make sure that they have a leg up. And yet the opportunity comes and you look back on that week. And it was a week that God reminded you just how helpless you are. Here's another pretty big week. This is one of those weeks where I just really blew it. You had those as a parent, right? Where all of a sudden your greatest dad or greatest mom award just gets flushed down the toilet. I remember this one. This one actually, this actually took place here at church. Our daughter Emily had turned uh, 13 and one of her birthday gifts, she got in a phone that particular year. 
with all the dangers and with all the excitement that comes with that. And so it was just a few weeks into having this gift that I go and stick my head one Wednesday night into the youth room and just catching up and seeing what all is taking place with our um, awesome youth team and the events that go on and the room was dark and the teacher was teaching and there was a glow that was shining on my daughter's face. I could tell it was my daughter because the light was so bright there in her lap. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. She only had the phone three weeks and now here she is in the middle of Bible class playing games. Playing games. I mean, that's not why we, we got the phone. That's not why we spent the money. We had gone through all the different rules. Here are the things you can do with your phone. Here are the things that you cannot do with your phone. And I thought we had been pretty clear about it. And there she was in the middle of Bible class, phone aglow. And so I do what any dad who <laughs> is also the preacher would do. I just go marching down the aisle. I stop by her seat. I lean over her shoulder and I tell her in a very preacherly tone that she needs to put her phone away and she needs to stop playing games. And in the glow, I saw the eyes that told me I blew it. And she looked at me and said, Dad, I'm taking notes on the lesson. See? And she held up her phone and sure enough, there she had been typing out on her phone the different verses and the different points that had been making in class. Who knew you could use a phone for that? I mean, I thought, I mean, I, I thought you'd make calls on it and then kids wanted to play games with. I mean, that's what I, who knew you could actually take notes? And, and so there I was, the preacher in the middle of Bible class telling my daughter, put away your Bible notes. How dare you be listening to the teacher? Why do you want to remember something that comes from the Bible? Put that phone away. Big fail. Big fail. Maybe you know what it's like. And yet there's nothing for you really to laugh about. You wish it was just a phone. You wish it was just a, a misunderstanding. But for you, this big mar marble this, this week that reminds you of your failure is, has nothing to do about a misunderstanding. It has all to do about your temper. It has, it has all to do about your outburst. It has all to do about your action. It has all to do maybe about your inaction. And as you, as you look over all these, you, you know, you wish that you could just reach in and, and grab a big pile and that you could take some weeks out and that you could put some weeks back so that you could remember the good weeks that you've had and that you could get rid of all the bad ones. But I've got over 500 weeks right here. 500 weeks that I've had with my daughter since she was in first grade. And, and while a lot of them bring back good memories and while a lot of them are things that have been used to help mold her and build her, there are others that I really wish that I could pull out and I could forget. Because I feel so much like the Apostle Paul. He said, I want to do what is right, but I can't. 
I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. He says, I've discovered there's a principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who is going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin? And moms and dads, that's the question that we all ask, right? We all ask the question and wondering, what is going to, what is going to keep us going? Because if we go through our week of marbles, we find enough and eventually we say, you know what? I think somebody else should parent my children. You know, those super parents that, that sit near the pew with you. Those parents that your own children have said, I want to go live with the Robertsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happens. I mean, they've got five of their own. They've got five others that just show up at random times and just live with them. And sometimes moms and dads, let's just be honest. We're like, I don't know what God was thinking. What was then going through God's mind when, when he gave us this person that could, that could breathe and that could see and, and that could experience all these things and that would be watching me and, and imitating me? What was God thinking when he gave me this person who God knew would grow up and have all these experiences and go through some very low valleys that I couldn't fix and that I couldn't help and leave me with such frustration? What was he thinking? And there are times we just feel miserable. We feel miserable because we want so much to be the parent that our children deserves. Instead of the parent that our children gets. And so we say, is there anything that will set me free? I don't know, maybe we should ask some of you who have gone through this and come out on the other side. Maybe we should ask some of you who are now in the process of raising the grandchildren in ways you never raised your own kids. Maybe we should ask you what it was that, that kept you going. And so I did this week. I asked somebody who had already seen their kids grow up and I I said, all right, what was it that during those moments, during those moments when you, when you reach into all the weeks and you pull out the handful of marbles and you look back over weeks that were good and weeks that were bad, what was it that kept you going? What was it that allowed you to continue and know, you know what, I blew it this week, but next week I'm going to go and try it again. I don't know, maybe it's because of the series that we're going through. But here's the answer. They said, I kept parenting because of grace. They said, because God doesn't give you children. Necessarily so that you can raise them. But God gives you children so that he can raise you.
And it's because of grace. It's because of grace that moms and dads, you get up and you try again. Even in those moments, and, and, and I can remember it, I can see it clear as day. There was one night that, that I went to Tanya and I went to her in the kitchen and I said, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. It seems like the things that I say never come out right and, and I, I'm just blowing it. And I, I left the kitchen and I, and I went and I just sat on some stairs that were there in our house and I just sat there. And cried. Because I wanted to do better. I wanted to have a different result. Because in my head, what it was that I was going to say, man, it was good. I mean, you've been there before when you just knew that after you got finished talking to your child, they would rise up and call you blessed. And they would say, thank you, Father. Thank you for explaining life. In such a clear and understanding way. Using words that cut deep into my heart. And I will go and tell all of my friends that I live with the sage. That's what you expect. I know when you walk into the room. And instead you get this look that goes. Huh? Are you done? It's because of grace. It's because of grace that you wake up and try it again next week. It's because of grace that you keep going. It's because of grace. Because you understand. You understand that the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That was Paul's response to his own question. Who's going to save me? When I want to say the right thing and I don't. When I want to do and be something that I'm not. Who's going to save me? And he says the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see later on in that same letter to the church in Rome. He would be talking about the love that God has for his children. And he would describe that love by, by showing what God did with his very own son. He says in Romans 8 and verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you see that part that says that God gave him up? You see, God was willing to do what I didn't want to do with my kids. And what maybe you don't want to do with yours. Maybe that's why the angels came that night and they proclaimed to the shepherds. Because God was saying, it's a boy. And he wanted the world to know. Maybe that's why at the baptism of Jesus, there was this voice that, that thundered. This is my beloved son. The proud father. Maybe it's why at that time on the mountain of transfiguration... That Moses and Elijah came because the father knew that his son needed encouragement. God was willing to give him up. God was willing to give him up. He announced to the world that he had a son and then he gave that son to the world. Knowing 
knowing what would happen. You see, I took, I took my two kids to school for first grade knowing that they were going to be in a safe environment. They were going to make some great friends and they were going to have some awesome teachers. They were going to have these great experiences. And God gave his son up knowing that his friends were going to desert him and that he was going to be put on trial and falsely accused. Knowing that he was going to have the flesh ripped off of his back. Knowing that he was going to be hung, suspended between heaven and earth. And yet he gave him up. He gave him up knowing that there was going to be a phone call late in the night that would break his heart. As a son would say, Father, if there's any way, will you let this cup pass from me? He gave him up. Knowing what would happen. And so here's what Paul says. Because God was willing to give us his best, we should never doubt his love. And we should never doubt his grace. You see, it's because of grace that I am a parent. It's the only way I can explain it. It's because of grace that I have these two awesome kiddos that call me dad and eat my hamburgers. It's because of grace that even in those moments when I say the wrong thing and I'm, I'm not as present as I should be, that I still receive their love. And it's because of grace that during those times when I feel so helpless, I am reminded that I can go on. I've got another marble in my pocket. Because it's been another week. Another week since my child started first grade. Another week of successes and another week of failures. Another week of God reminding me what it means to be his child. On the front of your glory, praise, and honor, you will see that there is a blank space under the cause of grace. I'd like for you to do a couple of things as we close out our time together this morning. If you still have a child in school, Go ahead and write down 52 and then times how many years they have left. And that'll let you know how many weeks you still have with them. I told Tanya I would not do this on stage because let you guys know how many weeks we still left because she would become a puddle right over here. But go ahead, 52 times however how many years. For those of you that just saw your, your kids up here, 52 times 11, pretty easy. You'll be able to figure it out how many more weeks that you have left with your kids. If you're a parent that your child has already grown up, they've already graduated, maybe they already have kids of their own, here's something I would love for you to write there in that space. Because of grace, I can still be the parent that God has called me to be. I'm not naive. 
I know that there's a lot of moms and dads who are here this morning who struggle with any type of lesson like this because of the heartache that you deal with right now with your children. I'm not naive to think that all the parents sitting in here feel like I'm mom and dad of the year. But you need to hear this. God gave his son so that you could be his child. And in the midst of you raising your children, he has been raising you. And he has been reminding you throughout this process that it is only because of grace. And so if you have failed, at least in your thinking when it comes to being a parent, if you have failed by your children's standards, if you have failed by God's standards, then you need to hear this. Because of grace, you can still be the parent that God calls you to be. All because God was willing To do something that I didn't want to do. Give his child away. And finally, moms and dads, you've all had to wake up your children at one point in time. And you've taken them to school. And you've experienced all the things that have gone on in their life. And you've had so many different marbles that you've put into your container. You need to hear this this morning. That because of grace, you can let your child go. You can. You can let them go to first grade. You can let them go to college. You can let them be married. You can let them go through divorce. You can allow them to welcome their own children. And you can also stand there beside them as they say goodbye to theirs as well. You can let them go to be the men and women that God has called them to be because of grace. Because the father that gave his son has proved himself worthy to care for your son and for your daughter. Will you trust him with their life? Will you trust him with yours because of grace? Father, I thank you for allowing us to call you Father. And for raising us even in the midst of our poor choices, in the midst of our sinfulness. We thank you for giving your son, for letting him go. It is through that gracious act that we have a relationship with you. And it is through that gracious act that we begin to understand what true love is. Father, for all the moms and dads in here, I continue to pray your grace to be upon them. And may they feel it and may they know it during those moments when they are wearing the cape. And it is a super week. And in the midst of those moments... Where they want to lock themselves away and hide. Feeling as if they have truly failed. We remind us all that our failures are not fatal. Because of your grace. And that for all those who are parents. That we can still be the parents that you have called us to be. Because of grace. 
And Father, during the weeks that we have with our children, may we raise them in order to let them go. Raising them to see that they are safe in your hands. Knowing that you do all things well. Father, I thank you for these young people who have been on the stage this morning. My prayer is that during the weeks and months and years ahead that they will experience, they will experience an awesome time in school. That they will make lifelong friends. That they will have experiences that they will never forget. May they grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you and with the men and women around them. May we do what we can to come alongside them and their parents so that we all might bring honor and glory to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Maybe because of God's grace, you need to come this morning. Maybe you need to come repenting of sin. You need to come to be baptized into Christ. You need to come saying, you know what? I desire to be a child of God. Maybe mom or dad, you just need to come and say, I blew it. Or maybe kiddo, you need to come saying, you know what? I need to give my parents a little grace. The same grace that God has given me. We want to offer you a time, whatever, however you choose to use that time, whether to come here to let it be known or maybe to go to the back. We have a prayer room. One of our elders will be back there if you would like a special time alone to talk with someone and to pray. I want you to encourage those who are around you. So as you stand, if you want to move in closer to somebody, put your arm around them, take their hand. It's the time for us all to be together because of grace. If you need to come, please do so. Let's stand and sing.